Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. As we bid a fond farewell to the jump season and get even more excited about the flats with the jumps then kicking off the very next day. Hi, I'm Emmett Kennedy alongside At The Race Respondent, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! And thank you very much for downloading the show as we take a look at the weekend races that are interesting us and hopefully you starting at Sandown for the Bed365 Gold Cup Handicap Chase at 335 where last year's winner Step Back has come in for a lot of support to be joint favourite with the gambled on Talk is Cheap for Alan King and Wayne Hutchinson. I remember backing him in the Albert Bartlett, my God, I called it the right name, in the potato race two years ago. Maybe I can scoop some of that money back. Uh, the young master for Neil Mulholland and Sam Willie Cohen, his regular partner, Beware the, Beware the Bear, has been well-backed as well. Uh, Kev, let's get your thoughts on this. I was very, very interested in Talk is Cheap and even more bullied by the fact that the money came from during the week. <laughs> yeah, look, this is a horrible race, really. It always is. It's really, really hard. Um, the ground... Is going to be very. Is going to be quick. Um, they they haven't got as much rain as they were hoping for. There's still a possibility of some coming. Um, you know, we we have this storm. What are they calling it? Storm Hannah, I think they're calling it. That is is on the way. But whether it gets the sand down uh, in time, if at all, remains to be seen. So like, mm. it's currently good to firm in places. Yeah, we have um, we have all these. We're recording this on Thursday. We have these epic amount of non-runners at Kempton, which has decimated the evening jumps card. So, yeah, it's it's a good point, Kev. Yeah, Storm Hannah is on the way. It's going to hit the southern part of England, I think, there on Saturday. Before I don't know if it'll be, it'll arrive quick enough for Sandown. But they're putting down some water at the minute, so I think we can take it for granted. It's probably going to be good ground. Um, so that's just something to bear in mind. And look, the one I landed on. Um, not a bullish shout, he's stepped back. Um, he was my choice in the Grand National. I was hoping that um, his tendency to jump out to his right wouldn't hold him back too much there. Um, but look, it just kind of got more pronounced as the race went on and um, he was eventually pulled up. But we'll give him another whirl. Um, he, of course, won this race last year when going into the race very inexperienced. It was only his fourth run over fourth run over fences um, at that point, and he absolutely bolted up. To be fair to him, off a mark of one thirty-five, he's up to one forty-five now. But you know, you look at his run since, and you know, in my eye, he was being trained for the national. He was being brought along steadily. 
Um, the national was a complete disaster for him, but he's back in a set of circumstances that we know he's very effective in. Um, he's back going right-handed, which will certainly be a help to him with that little bit of a tendency to jump to his right. Um, he should be okay on the ground. Should be. Um, he might not be crying out for it now, but he has won on good ground before, so I'm going to take a chance that he'll be okay on it. And look, he, he didn't have a hard race in the national the way it panned out. He was pulled up a, a reasonable way out. Um, so I'd be hopeful enough he, he'd bounce back from that and um, and get back on track here because he's still a, an unexposed chaser. He's only had seven runs. Um, he's unexposed full stop really for a nine-year-old. And I'd be hopeful that there's more to come. You know, he was really, really good in this race last year. Um, so if he can go, if he can get back to that sort of a level, um, yeah, you, you'd, be, you'd be pretty hopeful. He'd be a no-nonsense ride. He'll be up there with the leaders if he's not making the run and he'll be bang there. And um, yeah. Just the 13 length winner of this race last year. He's a very, very good shout, Kev. And um, yeah, I think Talk is Cheap is solid enough as well. Reverse forecast, anybody? Maybe? Possibly? Uh, <laughs> we... we <laughs> One of those, one of those reverse forecasts is going to come off, Kev. I'm telling you. Uh, 150 at Sandown is the novices' championship final handicap hurdle where getaway Trump. Uh, you wait two years for the Mueller report, and it's total and complete exoneration, no collusion. Oh, you. Anyway, is he going to be getting away with it here as well, Kev? For the Nichols team, our friends at Ditchit. <laughs> yeah, I can see the case for him, and yeah, I can see why he's he's a relatively short price. But the one I take a little swing on is um, a horse that's been a small bit of a project, but he he's finally getting the the circumstances that will I hope show him to the best effect is Scarlet Dragon. Um, the thing with Scarlet Dragon, he, he remind me a little bit, uh, just a little bit now, of um, Arctic Fire as a young horse in that he was just too free for his own good. Uh, and Scarlet Dragon has been too free for his own good um, over hurdles thus far. Look, we know he's very talented. He's, you know, a proper listed class horse on the flat. And look, he, he won his novice hurdle at Huntington there back in January. And look, he took a strong old hole there as well, but he got away with it because of the company he was in. He stepped up in class um, at Kempton after that and again just just didn't give himself a chance and ultimately finished well beaten but he's just the type of horse now that you'd think right big field competitive handicap loads of pace loads of cover might just get him to relax and tap into that ability that we know he has um, a mark of, of 132 is very exploitable I think for him if he can do things the right way um, he'll rattle off the ground. Um, he he ticked plenty of boxes for me now, and it's a bit of a project. And it might just be I might be um, parking up the wrong tree here, but I think there's more ability in there over hurdles than we've seen so far. And the set of circumstances that will hopefully prevail on Saturday could be the ones that bring about that improvement. Okay, I quite like Dan Skelton's humble hero. Uh, by High Chaparral was a decent horse on the flat. <laughs> yeah, you love High Chaparral. <laughs> yeah, I do. I tell you, um, Flash the Steel is entered here as well, who I talked up back in January for Cheltenham. But Humble Hero is in here. And if they go with Flash the Steel, then fair enough. But if they go with Humble Hero, making his handicap debut, I think 
he could fly the flag for the skeleton team uh, in the opening race at Sandown. Um, we're not going to get the clash that we wanted, Kev. Altior is going to be taking on So Royal, which you know is no easy race. Uh, but we really wanted to see the uh, the Nickel Source, the best horse in training, or officially highest rated horse in training. That does not apply to Altior, which is just stupid. It's so stupid. Anyway, uh, Altior will be out for a, a fine run, and it'll be nice to see him. And look, he's had a stellar campaign and is one of the stars of the season, but you can't really see anything stopping him here. Yeah, you know, you'd, you'd be a little bit well, you'd be very, very surprised if, if he's beaten, and you'd be a bit surprised if this was competitive. Um, so Royal, to be fair to him, ran very well, got got a good ride, I thought, off Daryl, a very good ride off Daryl Jacob in the champion chase. And um, despite them all kind of catching Altior on a, on a slightly vulnerable day, you know, three and a half lengths was, was as close as he could get to him. Um, looked, at, I'm sure the sounder surface would probably suit So Royal. Um, but yeah, if, if Altior's anywhere near himself, um, he just wins, doesn't he? Um, been a bit of a pity. It's been a small bit of an anticlimax in, in this uh, this you know division, if we want to call it that. There since Cheltenham, you know, we had hopes that Altior could potentially you know run in a, in a Melling chase, you know, potentially clash with surname. Um, a couple of interesting things could have happened. Unfortunately, they haven't. Um, but there we are. Look, it's always good to see a great horse like Altior out. You just love to see him um, with, you know, a bit more of a strength and depth of opposition. But um, good to see him out, and hopefully he finishes off his season on a good positive note. Yeah, well said. Here, here, and I say the same. I hope he wins his last race of the season, and we can look forward to what he'll do next year. How funny going would it for, be going for another son of High Chaparral, Kenners? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. That son of High Chaparral <laughs> will indeed go and win. Uh, how funny would it be if Janika beat Surname in the 225 oh, that, the BHA handicappers head in hands oh no we got it so uh, I assume he won't run will he I, this, there was talk that he might go for that race instead but I'm assuming he's not going I'm assuming that they're not going to be a real pity if he ran and you know didn't, didn't take on LTR Jesus yeah we've got Harry Derham on the show next week so we'll have a right go at Harry if Janika runs on Saturday sorry if uh, surname runs on Saturday gets beaten by Janika we'll, we'll take the right mick out of him but anyway we'll see uh, 245 Leicester is the EBF Stallions King Richard III stakes it's a listed Ectidar Deary me, Ectidar. Uh, he did win, to be fair, at Royal Ascot, but got thumped by US Navy flag and the Tin Man subsequently. Is he on your mind as being a star sprinter this season, Kev? Because to be honest about it, he wasn't and still isn't on mine. Um, this is an interesting race, it, but by God, it's full of question marks and Ectidar um, would be up the top of that question mark list now. And he's, and he's going to be a relatively short price foul, but it looks of it. And... Yeah, like he, he kind of jumped out of the ground a bit there when he won the Commonwealth Cup. Um, you know, the Commonwealth Cup was a funny race last year. And I know it hasn't worked out horrendously. You know, Sansa Mali has come out and eventually um, came good and open company. But there was a fair few disappointments on the day. Um, it's just that you just looked at it and you said, hmm, how are you going to work out? And while... You couldn't really knock what Ektidar did on the day. There didn't seem to be a fluke about it on the day, but, you know, he just hasn't reproduced it since. You know, maybe the July Cup came a little bit quick for him. 
you know, the ground in the Haydock Sprint Cup was probably too soft for him. So, you know, you can make excuses for him, but there gets a point where you have to stop making excuses. So I think if he is going to be a proper uh, open class sprinter this year, he needs to come back and, and put an exclamation point on this. But, you know, you're not only... You're not only banking on him being back to himself. You all, you also have the unknown of the trip. He's stepping up to seven, um, and, th- and that's a question mark. You know, he's he's speed on speed pedigree. He's never he's all his life's runs have been at six, and he hasn't, you know, especially looked like to be crying out for seven. So you've got two big question marks beside him, and you know, two big question marks is enough to to steer me away from a horse at, at the type of price he is. And you go, you go down through them, and I can kind of find myself knocking um, most of them. Um, the one I had the least knocks next to um, was Hay Common for James Tate. Um, stays ground. He, he might prefer a small bit of an easier surface than this is likely to be, but I think he, he should be okay. He's he's one on good to firm ground, and he should be okay. His record on fresh is quite good. Um, he's a no-nonsense ride. I could see him bouncing out there, and if he's not leading, he'll be handy. And hopefully, one after one after another, those his main market rivals with the question marks beside him will start to crack, and uh, and he'll stay galloping. So it's uh, a windy race, uh, as a great man might say. <laughs> um, Stop why, referring not, to yourself as a great man. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else said it at some stage. That was probably great. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's a good race. Like, don't get me wrong, Jesus. You know, most of the field are, are one ten plus, but so many question marks. Um, I think it, it's it's appropriate to give it the the windy uh, title. But um, hopefully, James Tate will uh, provide the winner, and we'll we'll pull a winner out of it. And Lanfranco on board as well, and that son of new approach. Yeah, no harm at all. Yeah, I'd rather be with him than Exeter. Exeter is embarrassingly short. Cue him going winning by 20 lengths and being hailed as a new sprinting superstar now. Could happen. Could uh, happen. It could. It could indeed. We'll move to Sunday where the pre-Gane will be one of the feature races of the entire week. And it's live on Sky Sports Racing from Paris Longchamp. Uh, over 10 furlongs, we'll see the French Derby winner, Study of Man, in the Niarcos colours, back once again with the ill behaviour. Son of Deep Impact, out of a Stormcat mare. However, it's all about the Dubawi, Reath. <laughs> Reath. I'm going with that pronunciation anyway, Kev. It'll be interesting to see going forward how many people roll in with that. <laughs> because, it, lads, if, if you're not familiar, this horse's name begins with a G. Yeah. That's G for great. G H A Y Y A T H. But according to. You, you've omitted an I in the middle there. But a, according to friend of the podcast. No, that's the dyslexia kicking in. Uh, friend of the podcast, Laura King. It's an Arabic name. And so the G H is pronounced or. So it should be Rayath. And <laughs> you have to roll the or. Rayath. <laughs> if you don't roll the or, there's no point. <laughs> so he's Godolphins. Charlie Appleby has him. We'll talk a little bit more about Charlie Appleby. Very interesting news. Um, uh, coming from the stable today but um, yeah having his second start of the season very very impressive on his seasonal comeback and he's a horse that we can be excited about Kev oh yeah jeez you know he's very unexposed you know he's he was a good two year old you know he's running with a hood as a two year old 
Um, but he looked a lovely horse in the making. Um, things obviously went wrong in the first half of last season. We didn't see him again until September. And he came out and won a Group 3 at Longchamp in, in great style. And then he made his return um, back at Longchamp again last month, or this month even, um, in the pre d'accord as you might say. Um, and it was very good. He jumped out, made the run, and they kind of left him alone in front. And um, and he bolted up. He bolted up. Um, very impressive. Um, clock watchers were happy enough with him. And yeah, look, it was a, the comeback of a horse that you would that had all, has all the potential to be a proper force amongst the older horse ranks. And um, this would be his opportunity to come and back it up against a better class of opposition. He says slowly because it's not really that definitive, but I think it's fair to say um, that's probably the case. He's up against your horse, Waldgeist. Waldgeist. Who, uh, long-term podcast listeners will remember Kennedy bullishly putting up for the act of triumph, uh, and Rory then, <laughs> Rory then gave five reasons why he'd no chance, and Kennedy then changed his mind and made him a play slay, <laughs> yeah. and and was right, and was right, and the thing is, you're, you're he right should have won, he should have won, he should have won the arc. Absolutely <laughs> shocking what went on. <laughs> if you listen back to that, lads, there, our ARC preview podcast, that was the origins of Flip Flop Kennedy. Yeah. It, was the, it was the greatest, most immediate flip flop of all time. However, however, and it's been pointed out by a number of listeners, what has subsequently <laughs> happened is that Flip Flop Blake has emerged and has flipped and flopped and the banner of new evidence has been thrown away and that shield that you used to hold up uh, no longer lasts. But yeah, I, no, I really, I, I'm, I'm, I I'm really never afraid flopped. to uh, change my mind in light of new evidence. Oh, I, I flipped ha- so I, I, quickly. But I, but, but I am yet ever to, to flip-flop my opinion in the course of a podcast. I'll tell you what, Kev. About 30 seconds flat. I'll tell you what, Kev. If, if it ever happens that the two of us are being interrogated by the FBI, and if I say to you beforehand, Kev, I ain't saying nothing, bro. I wouldn't turn on you. I guarantee I'm flipping. I'm flipping on you. I'd be grand because you'd have flopped by the end of the interview and given another story altogether. I want Witsec. I want a million dollars. I want an island. I'll tell you it all. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, do you want a brief sidetrack? <laughs> well, we've already done that, so fine. Talking about flip-flopping. Have you listened to... The hurricane tapes. I have not. This is worth chasing up now, lads. You, you, it's a very famous case. You might be familiar with the case of Reuben Hurricane Carter. He, he was stitched um, up. It was horrific. And Bob Dylan wrote a song about it. Yeah, Bob Dylan wrote the song The Hurricane about it. There's um, Denzel Washington starred in the, the Hollywood film about it called The Hurricane. It's a very well-known story. But uh, the BBC did this 12-part podcast about it. And um, I'm two-thirds of the way through now, and gee, it's good. Two lads now, they, they went back and they did a really good job in getting interviews with enough, most of the people that are still alive that were involved in the case. They found uh, it's ba- a lot of it's based around the hurricane tapes, as the title suggests. Basically, they found um, like 40 hours of recorded conversation with Reuben Carter that had been down in some lad's um, basement for years and years and everyone had forgotten about him but this guy found him and the BBC got hold of him and uh, oh stop it's serious 
um, it's it's a serious documentary. So if you if you want a Kevin Blake two thumbs up, even though I haven't even got to the end of it yet, um, geez, I'm enjoying that. They're about half an hour long, so it's not, you know, it's a bit of an investment, but it's it's not a huge investment. And uh, yeah, that, that's an, an early two thumbs up from Blake um, about 20 minutes into the podcast. Well, in, the middle, of the, in the middle of the pre-Gane preview. <laughs> add it to your playlist along with the Final Furlong podcast. We have a, a number of shows for you next week. How much of a stitch-up job does it seem to you so far? Oh, stop. I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Really? I had a feeling in your voice that you were like, I'm not sure this is. Uh, yeah, was I, there compelling I, it's, evidence it's, against him? It, there, yeah, there's plenty of evidence against him. There's plenty for him. It's really hard, and I'm not and like I say, I'm not at the end yet, and I have a feeling there's a, there's a few more revelations to come. But um, it could be one of those where they did it, and the cops kind of played a little bit dirty just to saddle up their case to make sure they got him, or it could be the case that they just got framed properly. Mm. Um, I don't know. Nobody really knows. I suppose Barrett, the, the two buckos that were involved, but. Um, geez, it's an interesting story. Uh, lo- and some of the characters now, some of the, so, uh, the interview with the old, um, the, the police lieutenant, I think it was, or the, the detective at the time that was stuck in the middle of the case. And like as the biggest stereotype of an old timey, hard New York cop, like absolutely brilliant. We're <laughs> <laughs> all, you know, in their own words. Ah, stop. It's brilliant stuff now. Very, very entertaining. By Two any, thumbs up. By any chance, Kev, at any stage during the conversation with the BBC, does he mention the concierge? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, if you, oh, by the way, if, if you put that podcast on your, it's the Hurricane Tapes, you're saying it's called, so put that yes, on that, that's it, yeah. the, the uh, Add to playlist alongside at Final Forum Pod and um, go listen to, to Bob Dylan's full, uninterrupted The Hurricane. It's just absolutely That's genius. That's great songs, if Genius. Yeah. It's about right, so, so, 17 so, minutes good. long, but it's genius. Uh, a little bit of like this preview of Sky Sports Racing's <laughs> coverage of the Group 1 race on Sunday, uh, the pre So, look, we got the French Derby winner, Study of Man. We've got Waldgeist and Reath. Uh, so, these are the three who you would definitely be focusing on. I Maybe... Yeah, no, it's about those three. Can you see Study yeah. of Man develop into the horse that his connections hoped he would be at one stage? To, to a certain extent, his place at Stud is won and earned, but to keep him in training means they feel there's obviously a little bit more there. Yeah, look, he, he won the, the pretty jockey club in, in decent style. It looked like a potentially very nice horse, and um, I didn't kick on. He didn't kick on. Um, his run in the arc wasn't too bad, but you know, if he's going to be a competitor um, at this level going forward, he needs to be better. Um, he needs to be better, and I wouldn't personally be really holding my breath for him. Um, but like you say, he's he he'll have his second job now because this fella just ticks every box in in Kennedy's um, uh, tick book here. You're going to have to go buy a mare to send to this fella. He's, <laughs> he wears the Arcos colours. He's oh, by yeah. Deep Impact. He's out of a Stormcat mare. Oh, yeah. It, it ticks every box. <laughs> From the family of Miesk and oh. King Mambo. Oh, stop. King Mambo, one of my favourite stallions of all time. Now, he's he's um, he's got an awful lot going for him if he can come forward. But this... Yeah, he, he has his spot already, to be fair to him, but... Um, if, if he wants to be a factor in this division, he needs to he needs to have stepped up um, over the winter. Personally, wouldn't expect it, but sure, time will tell. 
Um, and in terms of what we're likely to see on Sunday, look, if Vault Guys turned up in tip-top form, he'd be a very, very serious rival for Rayath. But the one thing I'd say with old Volgeist is he's been a bit... His seasonal reappearance in the last couple of years, he's been given, you know, very much a French reintroduction. Um, it's, you know, been treated very much as a trial. Um, I know this is a group one. It's a little bit different. They might have him a little bit sharper than they did in previous seasons. But... They are. They seem to train him with a view to a steady build. Um, and if that's the case, if he's not razor sharp, he'll he'll have a real job on to beat uh, Rayath with the benefit of race fitness and everything else. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating race. And uh, these are, are three horses that we can look forward to seeing for the rest of the season. Um, I think it's not going to be as simple as Rayath just turning up, you know. Uh, sorry, I should say Rayath, but we'll see. We shall see. It's live on Sky Sports Racing, 3.25 on Sunday. Uh, make sure you are watching that in Glorious HD from Paris Longchamp, uh, exclusively live. Right, we'll go to Navin, where Capri is due to make his seasonal reappearance. Oh, uh, yes. It was, it was Aidan O'Brien gave the story to Kevin Blake. He broke the news that Capri will be campaigned as a cup horse. And no better race for him to come back in than the Sequence Events Vintage Crop Stakes, the Group 3, which was a platform for Yates over the years, and many other Gold Cup contenders as well. Um, this race has got a, a number of Ballydoyle entries, but Capri is the one who really stands out, Kev. Yeah, look, this is the, you know, that was whatever it was over a month ago. Mm-hmm. And um, Aidan O'Brien was, had already you know, very much earmarked this race for Capri. Um, I'd say Southern France could go as well. Um, Kew Gardens as an entry that would obviously catch people's eyes. He'd have a penalty. I'd be surprised if he ran. Maybe he will. I haven't heard anything either way, but just given the way that Aidan had been talking about Kew Gardens and with a view to him being campaigned over a mile and a half, it, it would be a little bit of a surprise if he started them back over a mile six. Essentially with, with him, we're, we're talking about Coronation Cup King George. That were the kind yeah. of targets you're looking at there. Yeah, I can only assume he's in there just in case something went wrong with the others. Um, I'd be surprised if he turned up. Doesn't mean he won't, but I'd be surprised if he did. Um, I think this is a good race. It's a good race. Good, solid horses the whole way through. The, the, the Bally Doyle pair um, are the two interesting ones. Look, Capri would be my personally my Ascot Gold Cup hope. I, I could really see him making it into a very, very nice stare. Um, you know, he, he'd interrupt. He, he, I was hoping he'd be a, a real factor in the mile and a half division last year, but things just went wrong for him. He made a good comeback, a winning comeback, and um, had a setback after that that pretty much, pretty much ruined his season. He got back to the track and he, he ran very well in an arc, very well in an arc, but never quite got to where I thought he might be able to. Um, bit of a rush preparation. Um, Whereas now it seems everything has gone smooth. The O'Brien, the whole team there, the whole yard seems to be in really good form, really good health, a really good place. And um, yeah, he steps up and trip now. It looks like, you know, there's a bit of rain knocking about the next couple of days. There should be a a little slight ease in it, which will always be a help to Capri. And, you know, one thing you'd say is that, you know, even back a month ago, Aidan was saying, look, whatever he does first time he'll really improve on it I recall him saying the same thing last year you know he, he's a, a bit of a gross customer um, Capri he carries a bit of weight so 
even if he turned up and was beaten, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But if he can go and win despite going there in need of the run, um, he'll very much be the one for for Stradivarius to beat. Um, Cross counter acknowledged, but I think Capri is a very good horse, and and we'll see the very best of him up at these staying trips. Um, and there, there'd be people out there now that would be hoping Southern France could make up into an Ascot Gold Cup horse too and I could see that as well you know he's a horse I was very fond of last year um, I thought he ran really well at Royal Ascot last season you know Aidan O'Brien was very forthcoming in saying that look to be honest I think he's probably too raw for this but we'll give him a go and he ran a great race he was raw he was green and he stayed on really well to finish second to Kew Gardens albeit a modest second um, ran a lovely trial for the ledger I thought of the Curra um, I, I'm fairly sure he was my selection in the, in the St. Ledger he ran very well well beaten but managed to hit the frame and then it, it was it was. I think the Cesaro was just a bit too much for him still a big old baby massive field very competitive environment and it probably just caught him out a little bit he still ran well off a big rating but um, ultimately didn't really compete but with a winter under him, there'd be certainly be hope that he can come forward. And, you know, ultimately he needs to. He needs to. He's, you know, rated, what is he? He's rated, you know, seven pounds behind Capri. And I'd be hopeful Capri could advance himself a few pounds as well. So that's kind of where you're, you're looking. He needs to come forward a nice bit to get into that mix. But it wouldn't be the biggest shock, but I, I prefer Capri myself. It'd be well worth, if you haven't yet, reading Aidan O'Brien's stable tour with Kevin Blake on At The Races, because he essentially alluded there to middle distances with Southern France, didn't he? Which I, I think caught a lot of people on the hop. And no, I, I think I think he was saying stay or stay in route for Southern France as well. Mm. Um, off, off the top of my head, I'll it was, double check as It was thought. to mix the two, wasn't it? To start over middle distances and then possibly go up and trip later. But Capri was firmly the one that... They were like, yeah, that's going to be our Gold Cup horse. That's the horse we'll, we'll be aiming Yeah, the, the, there was no hesitation on that front now with Capri. Hmm. And uh, let me just see here. I have it here. Southern France. Where are we? Dum, dum, dum. Got it. Grand big horse. Big baby. Good chance of staying two miles or even further. We'll go gently with him. Might be one to start off over a mile and three quarters, yeah. which is here. Yeah, so I, I it wouldn't be a shock to me now. I'd say they'll send him down that road, but further he's as good as Capri now would be a question mark for me. Okay, do you think that the, the way to play this then is to back Capri for the Ascot Gold Cup, which will be live on Sky Sports Racing? And wouldn't knock it. With, wouldn't knock with it. With the reason being that you're getting 7-1 to one about him. Stradivarius is obviously a very short price favourite, but that if he does win and Aidan O'Brien's team are on fire then immediately he's the number one threat to Stradivarius and all you have to do is think back to him on at the races winning the St. Ledger where he beat, oh, Stradivarius. So, yeah, a, a lot would possibly work there if you were to, to go and take advantage of the, the price about him because if he does go and win, he's immediately second favourite. Yeah, that's the way I'd see it. Okay. Um, in, in terms of others, you'd give a mention to Falcon 8 as well. Um, he's a horse. He was a small bit under the radar last season, but quietly made very good progression in a short space of time. Looked a very raw type of horse. Uh, great pedigrees by Galileo. Um, you know, he's a three parts brother to Free Eagle. 
half rudder to custom cut and sapphire you know it's a very good pedigree but he looked um a bit more dour and raw than all of those in winning his first two you know he come off the bridle quite a way out but showed great stamina and he ran quite well went up to a group three company um at the back end at nace you know i'd say he'll be a nice stayer this year i could see him find the more improvement needs to find a stone to get on top of capri but um i i'd keep an eye on him He's a horse that'll find some improvement. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of the big ones, I reckon. Okay, we should move along to the 10 furlong listed race for Phillies where Pink Dogwood, as Andrew Yates tweeted, Pink Dogwood alert, she has entered up sound the klaxon uh, and she may very well run in the Salsable Stakes on Sunday. I'd like to think so. In my eyes, she's a very, very interesting Oaks contender, Kev. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Look, you you know, it was a case of steadily along with her last season. She improved with every start. Um, she's a full sister to Latrobe, who we know well. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how she progresses this season in terms of trip. Um, I'd say she wouldn't mind an ease in the ground. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm interested to see which way she goes this season. She wasn't, uh, to be honest, of the two and I know that they're, there's, they're very different fillies I'd personally be more excited about Shabley here yes this is the horse um, that you put up for the Oaks at yeah. uh, over 20 to 1 on the podcast a few weeks ago yeah I like Shabley and um, if, you know if she's going to be an Oaks filly she needs to be uh, going very well here um, because we're we, you know we're clearly running out of time she's only had one start over seven furlongs as a two-year-old so if she's going to be an Oaks filly she probably wants to win this which is a which is a big ask now for a filly that probably only ran to you know 85-ish on debut and to be coming in against the likes of Pink Dogwood with, with four runs under her and a rating of 104 so um, it's a tough test but look um, these these horses, if they're going to be classic horses they tend to have to take tough examinations and, and pass them if they're going to come up to the mark. So she's one I like a lot. Um, it'll be fascinating to see what's decked and how they price it up. I don't necessarily know if she'd be a betting proposition here. Probably one of those that if you like her, you're probably as well off backing her at a big price for the Oaks mm. than, um, than backing her on Sunday because, you know, she could finish a, a fast finish in second to Pink Dogwood on Sunday and very much enhance her Oaks prospects in defeat. You know, she doesn't have to win if you know what I mean, you obviously clearly much rather she did, but um, she could she could theoretically be beaten and uh, and very much enhance her Oaks prospects. So that's the way I'm thinking with her. Look, she's she's a Galileo filly. There's a heap of stamina on the page, and the fact that she was good enough to she's a full sister to the Pentagon, and um, the fact that she was able to win uh, at Gorn, which is which is a speed track, if you want to generalize it. Um, over seven furlongs, you know, for me, really put her out there as, as a really nice prospect. So that's my thought. She'll be my main focus. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see what we learn. It should be fascinating, race. Interesting ownership. John Magner and John Oaksley. It's not Derek Smith and Michael Tabor, half Chapley. It's, uh, it's Susan, Susanna Magner and, uh, and John Oaksley so yeah we'll, we'll see how she gets on 1.55 million guineas as a yearling 
No pressure. The, the, the lads were chancy there. <laughs> the, the bidding's at one and a half million, and you asked the auctioneer for fifty for fifty grand more. I said the auctioneer gave him some luck. <laughs> really? <laughs> Go up by fifty. It was enough to get it done. To be fair, uh, yeah. yeah. If, if you're not familiar with with, uh, with auctions, when you're up around the 1.5 millions, you would certainly be expecting to be going up in hundreds, if not, yeah. if not more. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bid five grand more. What? <laughs> um, yeah, it's when you when you're well when you're at kind of moderate auctions there. Uh, <laughs> geez, I saw plenty of it now at the. At the, uh, the the full sales net this year, where trade was a real struggle, and you've lads literally going up in hundreds, and the auctioneer is just banging his head off the table. Going, oh, <laughs> this is the definition of struggle street for an auctioneer. <laughs> oh dear, it's not quite what you'd see on Flog It on the BBC. To uh, be fair, no, no, that's the 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 unglamorous side of, of the bloodstock world that, that, that we seldom talk about in this podcast yeah we're only interested in it when, when they're in the hundreds of thousands or in the millions then we're very very interested yeah if you if you want uh, if you're considering going into the bloodstock business uh, ladies and or gents uh, go into the the final day the worst day of the fold sales and uh Go in and look at the the enthusiastic hobby breeders going in with with the horses that they've loved since day one they think they're lovely foals and they go into the ring and there's not a single bid. And that's uh, that's when you get the, re- the the sometimes very harsh reality of, of the game that I love and many, many do love. But by God, it's merciless. Oh. It certainly is. And uh, that's when you see an awful lot of people walking around with their shoulders slumped. And some of them never get back. Uh, speaking of King Mang- Mambo, by the way, uh, Joseph O'Brien's got a horse here. Um, who's out of the King Mambo mare. Uh, one run, one win. What can you tell us about this horse and will she be running at the weekend, Kev? Yeah, she's going to run. I'm all being well between now and then. Altair, um, she kind of was a, a pleasant surprise there in debut. She's always looked, you know, a, a middle distance filly. You know, the thought was runner at Dundalk first time over seven, get a good education into her and then maybe look running a, a mile and a quarter maiden at Leopardstown when the turf starts. But she went and won. Um, which is great, you know. She, geez, she really finished off with a rattle that day. Um, you know, it probably wasn't the world's best maiden, but the fact that she could do it over seven on debut, you know, not many of Joseph's win first time. Um, yeah, that that was impressive, and you know, this would represent a, a big step up. Um, but the, the longer trip will really suit. Stiff track will suit. Um, she's one that you whatever she does on Sunday. You can expect her to take steps forward. Excuse me. Um, as the season goes on, you know, I think I, I personally I wouldn't expect her to reach um, her her seasonal peak up, you know, till the back end of the season. Really, she's that type. She should keep progressing and improving. Uh, further she goes, the better she'll be. I'd say, and uh, she's quite exciting. A filly like that, that. that does what she did first time. You know, you're clearly hoping she's going to be a stakes filly, um, but you know, just bear in mind it won't be all about Sunday. It'll be about coming forward, um, pro- progressing as the season goes, and hopefully, you know, reaching a good strong level um, in the months ahead. Okay, daughter of Australia, um, out of that King Mambo mare, uh, Shabley and Pink Dogwood, the ones that we're particularly interested in. I think, long term, this is a case of at the weekend. You know, it's very difficult to know what the betting forecast is going to be, but I'd be 
more inclined to back my horse for the Oaks, like you were saying, Kev. And yeah, and in, in general, it's a race for watching. You have a lot yeah. of unexposed fillies racing over this sort, getting this sort of stamina test for the first time. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's these races for me would always be races for watching. Very much trial races. It's going to be a fascinating one, but at the same time, defeat does not preclude you from then going to Epsom and winning. So, absolutely, we shall see. Uh, speaking of Grade One class horses. Sergei Prokofiev is back for his second start of the season, having won very impressively uh, at Navin. King stand all the way here, Kev, for this horse. King stand all the way for the son of Scat Daddy, by the looks of things. He is a five furlong horse and doesn't, in Aidan O'Brien's mind, seem to want much further than that. And this is his next step on the road to Royal Ascot. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where they go. Because they've they've two options there in the coming days. They've this race against three year olds over the course and distance that he made his winning reappearance. It's it's basically just shy uh, of six furlongs. It's what about fifty five yards short of six furlongs. Mm. Um, and the thing about the reappearance was he just for me he was just maybe flagging a little bit close home, and it it might have been lack of race fitness or it might have been stamina. Um, it'd be hard to say with certainty but if they were to run over this course and distance again on Sunday it, w- it would give us a little bit more evidence to see where his stamina is because if, if he was good and strong at the line you'd say right it was just lack of a run that um, co- caused him to do that on return and uh, whereas if he if he's flagging a little bit late on again you can say right you're, you're not quite getting home here um, but the alternative option, which is an interesting one, is they have the Woodlands Stakes at Nace on Monday that they could potentially run him in. That's five furlongs, uh, but that's against older horses, which would be uh, a fair old test for him. He'd have a Group 3 penalty to carry as well. Um, so it, 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 it's an interesting choice for them now. Look, the, the staying against the three-year-olds is definitely the softer option in terms of um, he'd certainly be a shorter price against the three-year-olds than he would be against the older horses. Um, that is abs- absolutely no question about that. I, I would go so far as to say as he'd probably be a, an odds-on fav at Navin, um, whereas I don't think he would be at Nace. But I suppose it comes down to where they want to be with him. If they if they want to make him, um, you know, come World Cup horse, you know, do you, do you keep going? with the, the five and three-quarter furlongs uh, at Navin? It, it, it's a fascinating question. Well, I just wonder if Nace is going to be the race that he'll go for, actually. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Uh, and the reason I say this is because, with the greatest of respect, they're not brilliant, the horses he'd be facing. They're not 100% brilliant here. No, he'd be, he'd be the standout for sure. Big time. And it would be over five furlongs. And I was really taken with just how strongly Aidan O'Brien was expressing that statement about five furlongs. It's, he's a five furlong horse. Yeah, well, look, the, the thing is, if he's going to go for the king stand... kind of has you're to probably, go here, You're probably he? better off going for an ace, aren't you? Yeah. Just because he, he'd, be, he'd be taking on hardened sprinters that'll more than likely go a right gallop... You know, if you're going to run in the king stand, you're going to be taking on world-class sprinters, going at world-class pace. And ideally, you don't want that to be a complete shock to the system. He's a horse that I don't think you could ever go fast enough for. Um, so, yeah, it depends what you want to do. Like, if, if Aiden is really thinking king stand, I think it, it's probably a, 
you probably have to go for, for Nace, even though Navin looks looks very winnable. You probably have to go for Nace. And that's where you find out if you have a King Stand horse or not. Um, whereas if you're still harbouring, uh, if there's any doubt in your mind and you, you think he, well, he might be okay in the Commonwealth Cup, then you go to Navin and you find out um, how much stamina is there. Because, you know, five and three quarters at Navin would be uh, reasonably comparable to six at Ascot, yeah. you know, like Navin's quite, uh, I, I think people underestimate how much of a specialist track um, the sprint course at Navin is. It's, um, it, it's very up and down and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's quite unique, I think, um, not just in Ireland now, but, but in Ireland and England. And look, he's shown he operates around there. He's, he's won twice um, up that straight track. So it doesn't seem to be a problem for him, but it's it's interesting. It's an interesting shout that they have. I'd say if if and I'm completely speculating, um, it wouldn't. Be, I'd probably make Nace Fav because yeah. I think listening to the way Aiden has talked about him, I suspect he'd probably have King Stand in his mind more than than Commonwealth Cup. But oh, again, I I, I'm I'm one hundred percent speculating. By God, do not bet based on my speculation in this case. But it, it's just an interesting conundrum. Well, caution. We're playing. Literally, we are playing Aiden O'Brien Bingo here, so caution. Yeah. But his comments were so interesting about just being insistent that five furlongs is his. He basically said that he's maximum. Like yeah. if, they, if they could find a, fur, a four furlong race for him, they'd go for that. Uh, th- that was essentially what you were getting from him. So it's definitely going to be the King Stand at Royal Ascot uh, day one on Sky Sports Racing, and it's almost certainly then this is the race to go for us to go to Nace and, and take on yeah, the it'll be interesting. Horses. I think where, where he decks him will, will tell you a lot I think as to, to what he's thinking and he would be taking on Speaking Colours would he? yeah Speaking Colours runs yeah yeah. and so, how has he wintered? oh grand yeah look he's never going to be um, he's, not, he's not an over big horse but I don't know if we saw the very best of him at times last season. Um, he was developing. He had to kind of grow up quite fast. And he's a horse, I'd say, that that could potentially try seven furlongs at some stage this season, which I think would be really interesting. So this is a starting point um, with a view to, to, to building up again and having a, a good, long, hopefully successful campaign. Okay. And the other then cross-entered race that we should talk about is the 205 at Navin and the 515 at Nace. And there's a reason for this. Uh, One is over five, one is over six. And I can't help but notice my eyes are drawn to colors here. Uh, We've got in a very, very interesting silks in the present for the Nearcos family, uh, <laughs> by Caracontite, out of uh, Dreams of Fire, a Dinoformer mare, uh, related to Cause of Causes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> what a star. What a pedigree that is. You're by a Breeders' Cup mile winner, and you're related to Cause of Causes. One of the all-time great horses. Uh, but... We, we, we know what you're going to be back in. <laughs> but... <laughs> Funny Little Ways is the one that I'm interested in. First of all, Kevin, what the hell are these colours? Secondly, (laughs) uh, Midnight Oasis. Uh, I showed the clip to my mother the other day of uh, your new foal by Star Spangled Banner in the paddock with um, 
Midnight Oasis, and it's just beautiful. You can see it on Kevin's Twitter page. It's absolutely fantastic. He's bouncing around the little guy, and uh, Midnight Oasis looks a, a dream as well. She is the mighty mayor who has produced Mutadi and uh, George Bowen, and Funny Little Ways is double entered. So Sunday or Monday, and I think you're heading to Nice. Yeah, she'll, she'll run on Monday, I'd say, barring something strange happens between now and uh, tomorrow morning. And yes, look, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. Um, obviously, I've had her there away the whole time. Um, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> um, she look, Kev, it, we, Kevin, is it exciting? It's very exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure, what can you say, really? Um, she went to the she went to the sales of Doncaster there last August, and um, like I didn't really want to sell her. She she's the first uh, and so far only filly that Midnight Oasis has had, but I, I, I you know I, I can't afford to be keeping everything, so you have to send her to the sales and see what happens. And the view was if somebody wanted to give me um, more than a fair price, they could have her. Um, but they didn't. They, they didn't go far enough. So she came home, and I was I was kind of happy to be honest. Um, when you said really, that, you said that to me off air that you actually didn't want to to give her away, that you wanted to to keep her, um, and that the plan was to go to Joseph, and that's exactly what's what's happened. So how has she yeah, settled into training? Yeah, great. Yeah, no, no, not a day's bother. She's never given anyone a day's bother, really, since she was born. She's been very, very good, very straightforward the whole way. Never a problem. Gee, I can't even recall her having as much as a foot abscess ever. Um, just a very straightforward filly. Great old mind, um, like all of Midnight Oasis, have to be fair to them. Um, yeah, she, she actually went down to my neighbour, Paddy Toomey, um, to be broken in and get her going. And then she went up to Joseph's. And uh, yeah, she she has not put one hair, never mind the foot, wrong since she's been up there, um, doing everything grand. Hasn't disappointed anyone yet. Every time she's been asked to do more, she's done it. Um, but you, look, you go to the race course to find out. Um, sometimes you kind of have an idea of where their bottom is before you go racing, but um, we don't know yet here. Um, but look, you know, you have to, you have to. Um, what's the word you have to kind of confine your expectations in cases like this because I, I did it out of I, I had a rough idea in my head but I, I looked last night for the, for the crack just to just to wind myself in a bit and um, Joseph has only ever had um, four two-year-old fillies to win first time out um, in, intricately Iridessa um, that's two group one winners I was just going to say <laughs> Jesus if she wins first time up she's yeah. going to be a star um, and Kava, who's only run once more since and was third in the list of the race, she's going to run on Sunday, funny enough. She's a good filly. And um, and Canucanor, who's only run once more, and I'd say she'll make up into a stakes filly as well. So the kind of the long and the short of it is Joseph's two year olds always need a run, they need the experience. And if they win first time or even go close first time, it either means they're very smart or it was a real Mickey Mouse maiden. And uh, and this particular maiden and nays for the last two years has been won by Alpha Centauri in Fairyland. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, not going in expecting a, a, a Mickey Mouse windy maiden by any means. But um, yeah, the choice was five at Navin or six here. Um, I, I'd, I'd say she'd be fast enough for five, but just the thought is Nace is a bit more of a straightforward track. And just because it's first time, she's likely to, to need it. She just might find it a bit easier. 
um, going six and going five, five, jumping out of stalls and now and over five, you're straight downhill and it, it, you know she, she could get a bit lost early on. So the thought here, just with a view to the future and having a good experience first time, is that six here might um might be a little bit more suitable. But it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, she's a good forward, precocious two-year-old. Um, I should look. You'd be hopeful. I'm kind of getting nervous talking about it now, and you know, I can you, hear that. you don't because you know, geez, lads, if you're if you're around enough two-year-olds, there's plenty there that'll promise you loads and deliver you nothing, and plenty that will promise you nothing and, and deliver loads. So you just don't know. You have to run them. The race course is what matters. Uh, so we'll go there. We'll, we'll bring we'll bring the old family. We'll have a day out, and um, sure, hopefully, look, she shapes with a bit of, with a bit of promise. And uh, with, a, with a view to the future. So yeah, that, that'll keep me busy on Monday. I can hear the enthusiasm and the excitement in your voice and our listeners can hear it as well. So what is the feeling for you then, Kev, as a race planner for Joseph, as a racehorse breeder and the immense pride that you have had in the likes of George Bowen running and winning? But George isn't running in your silks. You have the pride of him having brought him into the world and and sold him and then watched his career from afar the same for mutadi and mr win as well who uh, was a cracking horse for you from the same family if i remember correctly so what's the the different feeling now that this horse is actually in your silks and you know what midnight oasis has thrown before and the debut is coming ah uh, but sure look it's it's it's, it's just a kind of another level deeper like i'm very lucky i can kind of uh, doing what I'm doing I'm kind of he- quite heavily immersed in an awful lot of horses without necessarily having to have loads of skin in the game um, but obviously this, you know all the skin is, is mine here at the minute like I've kind of had this one since since day one and um, yeah but when you're a commercial breeder you, you you love them all and you do your best by them to, to get them all doing the right thing before you, you send them on again in the world but um yeah, from an early stage now, I kind of I said I'd, I'd love to keep the first filly out of her. Uh, you know, normally you're you're praying for colts every time, but with, with that mare now, I've been kind of hoping for fillies for a while, and she she keeps giving me colts. <laughs> so that this you know to get this filly, and she's the only filly she's had. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of another. I'm not really a, a kind of a nervy, emotional type no. of fella now, but it, it it's it's picking me a little bit now for the last few weeks as we've got closer. So. Um, I, I probably, to be honest, I probably won't be too talkative now before, before the race on Monday. Actually, I ultimately, look, you, of course, you, you, you'd be, you know, you'd be in the wrong game if you weren't allowing yourself to dream and wondering where they might bring you and what they might do and sure, who knows what they could be. Because you never know, you, you know, you never know where they'll end up, good or bad. But um, really, like speaking plainly, to be honest, if she turns out to be so useless, I won't mind. Um, because I'd be very much looking forward to now looking at her out the window for the next twenty years, um, breeding after you know, because yeah. ultimately that that's kind of that's the whole the whole thing. Um, so anything she does now is a is a big big bonus. But like I say, she hasn't disappointed anyone yet. So the the dream is is very much still alive that she she can go and and uh, and do a nice bit. But time will tell. We'll we'll, we'll know more on Monday. <laughs> In a way, like the job is already done because of who she is and her pedigree. She will stand at Kevin Blake Stallions International as it is at that <laughs> stage, I'm sure. Uh, unless, of course, that Sheikh Mohammed has uh, come in with a massive bid in the meantime with the Aldi bags and the little bags filled with cash 
up and down the lines. I would like to quote though the in the Brian fan side saying, "Why didn't you call her Georgina Bowen? How did the name come about?" <laughs> it was considered. <laughs> was it? Was it really? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was considered. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I like naming horses after lines of songs. I don't know. I, I just do. And uh, that's a line from um, from Rainy Night in Soho um, by the Pogues. Uh, sure, we all we all we all we all have our funny little ways anyway. So I think it's a nice name. <laughs> Eddie O'Leary's going to be so pissed at you. Well, he robbed. They, they robbed the best line out of the song "Measure of My Dreams." Yeah, but uh, so I, I, I think I might, might have got the second best line out of it. <laughs> I you definitely did. You definitely did. But Eddie O'Leary is going to be really pissed at you. We went. We did a podcast one day where we were talking about this, and we went through lyrics that Gigginstown have used. So we don't need to do it again, but um, we'll we'll do it eventually at some stage. We'll go back through the, the full list of song lyrics they've used, like "Love the Higher Law" and and, um, and uh, yeah. Uh, measure, a, measure of my dreams and but there, there's tons of them I know they're not coming to me annoyingly enough the very best to look to you Kev the very very best to look to you I can hear it in your voice our listeners can hear it in your voice it's an exciting time for you and Midnight Oasis what a cracking cracking mare she is for you what an absolutely outstanding brood mare she is for you and there she is now with uh, another another one and the colt running around the Blake Mansion yeah, and, uh, we're going to have to wrap up soon because I'm here as, as we talk I'm looking at the the rainfall radar and while the sun is beating down at the minute I'd say we're within we're five minutes away from a shower so they got to, they're got they going to have to come back in <laughs> well I'm, I'm sure they're going to be thrilled with that where did the colours come from? Um, nowhere in particular I, I just always thought light blue and orange look well together <laughs> and, I, and I had a set of colours before they weren't very colourful and uh, and uh, yeah, I decided to go down. I decided to change them and go over a slightly more colourful route. <laughs> so this is not producer D work. D's work. This is your work. No, no. She she did give she did give her approval. But um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll call them the uh, under so ripoff colours. <laughs> do they at the, the under so ripoff colours? Do they at the very least have the distinction of being made by Ralph Lauren? Um, no, no, no. But you, you've oh. got a, you've got a, you've got a good in there. You can. I do. I'll get you. I'll, look, I'll get, get you hooked up. up I'll get you hooked up, Kev. Jeez, <laughs> you should have come to me beforehand. Um, anything else that you want to mention for the weekend? No, no, no. Unless I'm forgetting something very obvious. Now I think we're all right. Well, over the next few days, Kevin and I will be recording our Punchestown preview. That's to come. Punchestown is coming along thick and fast with some big, big horses entered and very much looking forward to that. That'll be our fun farewell to the jump season. Uh, Harry Derham is with us next week to look back on Sandown and the season itself, a huge one for the Nichols team. And we'll also be looking at some of the flat racing as well. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Amish Kennedy, thank you very much for all the kind words on social media. Thank you for tuning in, and we will chat to you again ahead of our Punchestown preview on attheraces.com. Talk to you then. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.